We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Andrew Freeman, as always, joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on a, I mean, how do you even describe it? A absolute crazy Wednesday here um, that just went down um, at Hallis Hall. We're not at Hallis Hall, but man, what from Justin Fields going, seemingly going at it, but then not going at it with the coaching staff to Alan Williams resigning to some moves on the roster and. Um, everything in the fallout of the Bears' week two loss to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know if, man, it just seems like every single day there's something new with this Bears team where, I don't know, man, it just, I, I, I've lived through the Trestman era as a fan and, and how bad that 2014 season was. We know how bad that 2019 season was. Man, it's early on in this 2023 season, man. But you say if, if it's any early indication, we are in the midst of an all-time disaster class here this year. And we have a lot to talk about today. Before we get into it, uh, you said, uh, how are you doing today, man? Because it's it's been wild. I'm doing well and wild, crazy. It Those are the perfect words to kind of describe it, right? Because you have a quarterback who, again, around noon came out and basically said, hey, I don't like the way that I'm playing. Then you have a defensive coordinator who has been away from the team facility. The team basically decided we're not going to give any update. In the midst of all this, I think the news of Braxton Jones going to IR was missed. And then all week back and forth on Bears Twitter, you know, everyone's been breaking down all 22 to the point where it's just getting into there's, you know, the pro Justin Fields, the pro Matt Eberflus, the pro Luke Getty class, you know. So when we talk about, you know, bad teams and broken locker rooms, I mean, you talk to our publisher, Zach Pearson, right? And I at one point in time asked him, hey, what was that locker room in 2014 like? And he said that was a broken locker room. Like, 
from top on down, right? One to 53 from head coach all the way down to the quality control guys. Like that was a broken locker room. And then, you know, you talk to people that currently cover the team, like you and I, and we look at this situation and we say, Hey, it was bad in 19. It was bad in 20. It was atrocious in 21. Last year was kind of a breath of fresh air, right? Even though everything wasn't perfect. And then this year, it's kind of like, here we are once again, looking at everything in terms of it's only week two, but quite frankly, so many are just so ready to just fast forward to the 2024 offseason. Yeah, and, I, and, and to be quite honest with you, like I'm almost there as well. It, it almost feels like that the season's over before it even began. And it, and it's a crazy turnaround compared to like a month ago when, you know, all Bears fans, all Bears Twitter was optimistic about this team. We were all talking about how this would be a nice step forward for this team this season. And man, it's gone downhill so quickly. And I mean, let's just get into everything that went down today because there is a lot to get to. And like you said, it all start. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Like what's even the most important thing with all this with what with what went down today, but I guess we can start like with the quarterback situation. So Justin Fields, um, he had his uh, weekly um, press conference, I guess, with the media this week. And this is coming off the heels where, at least in my opinion, uh, Matt Eberflus and um, when, he, when he was talking to reporters, on, I think it was on Monday following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, it kind of seemed like to me, when, you know, there was a lot of discussion on, you know, Justin Fields' play and some of the play calling, specifically those screens um, near the end of the game on Sunday where Luke Getze, for some reason, held up three straight screen plays, like all of them, like pretty much the exact same besides a couple of minor differences in formation. And, you know, Matt Eberflus basically, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, we basically said like, that he liked the play calls and he felt like it just came down to execution. And that execution can mean a, a variety of different things when it comes to why a screen doesn't work. But it kind of felt like if you're just kind of looking at this in a macro view that he's, I wouldn't say he's throwing Justin Fields under the bus, but certainly not going out of his way to defend Justin Fields and his performance. Um, and then you have Justin Fields coming out today. And basically when asked about his performance and, you know, why, there's been struggles so far with the offense this year. Um, to me, I, I you know, in, in the moment, when you look at the entire quote, it doesn't feel like he was taking, trying to take a shot at Luke Getze. But if you look at his comments, he basically said that the coaching is kind of making him overthink too many things and that he's got a lot in his plate right now and that he's got to, you know, maybe uh, you know, not think too much basically. So you can pray f- play freely and it came off you know and this was kind of reported um and this went on like wildfire wildfire on a bears media and bears twitter that justin fields is blaming the coaching for the way he's been playing so far now is there some truth to that based off the comments i think there is but i don't know it's it it, it was a pretty big story to start off the day and then justin fields ended up i guess what happened I, i don't know if whether justin fields ended up seeing the social media backlash from it, or if maybe bears PR and bears coaching staff, and Ryan Poles maybe forced him to do this, but basically he ended up calling the, the, the reporters back later on to clarify his comments. But anyway, um, a lot of drama with Justin Fields. I mean, the bottom line is there's a lot of drama with Justin Fields and him going back and forth. It seems like with this coaching staff and already you said, you can see that they're just, they're not in sync right now. 
it's almost like everyone is speaking a different language because that's essentially what's happening at Hallis Hall here. You have a quarterback who is this insanely athletic talent. I mean, there's a fair argument to be made that when we look at the quarterbacks drafted from 2020 all the way till, you know, 2023, that Justin is right there at the very top, if not the guy at the very top in terms of the athleticism as well as the dual threat skill set that he brings to the table. Now, the challenge comes in here where everyone wants to sit here and kind of look at the All-22 and say, well, this is what's wrong, this is what's wrong, so-and-so is not doing their job. But there are two things to note here. Number one, you have an offensive coordinator in Luke Getze who basically really has only seen at the NFL level Aaron Rodgers play quarterback. And the issue with when you've only got experience with one quarterback is that you believe your system with that one quarterback, right, can be applied to anyone and everyone, right? You're not necessarily going about diversifying your teaching or your coaching methods. So that's one thing to note. And then the second thing ultimately to note here is that when you look at who Justin is as a player, like the Bears have tried to do some stuff with the play action and the naked bootlegs and all that good stuff. They've tried to utilize his legs, but the problem comes in to where the offensive line and the pass protection just not good enough, right? And again, we'll talk about the all 22 in just a few minutes here. But then the second big thing to understand is that for this offense, where they're at and this coaching staff, I mean, to me, it's very clear that the coaching staff puts so much stock into Justin Fields is going to take a step forward this year. They they ultimately forgot there's 10 other guys on offense that have to do their job if this thing's going to be a well-oiled machine, which no one was saying. And again, expectations for the Bears throughout late July, early August, especially in training camp preseason – expectations for the offense were so unrealistic because you knew anyone watching with no goggles on, you knew that once the games really started to count, things were going to be incredibly difficult and everything was going to take time to kind of get going. Now, the conundrum also comes in because no one thought it would be as bad as it is right now because this is a new unprecedented low. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so bad right now. Um, like you said, like, it's just, th- there's just there's just so much wrong with this offense right now. And it almost feels like, you know, that it should be better. Like, this 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 offense, like, the, the whole point of the DJ Moore trade and bringing in guys like Chase Claypool and um, doing some of the things that they've done with this group was that this is supposed to be year, the year where we saw – whether Justin Fields would take that next step as a passer. And it almost feels like the play calling to a degree is kind of leaning into that, where they want to see where Justin Fields is as a passer, and they want to utilize these weapons that they have on offense, which, you know, in theory is a good idea because, look, you spent all these resources at wide receiver. Um, you know, it's a big year for Justin Fields. You know, he was – and for all everyone saying that, like, well, you got to put Justin Fields in an offense where, you know – He's a run first quarterback, whatnot. It's like, look, the whole selling point in Justin Fields 
coming out of Ohio State for the Bears was that you just came off of the Mitch Trubisky experience where we were talking about the same exact things where Mitch Trubisky couldn't read a defense, couldn't play within the pocket. You had to run a very specific type of offense. The whole point of Justin Fields was that he was a pocket passer in Ohio State who just happened to be an elite athlete of the position. And so the thinking was, yeah, Justin Fields is an elite athlete. He could do some special things with his legs. But the selling point was that he would come in here and be an improvement as a pocket passer. So far, we're just not seeing that development from Justin Fields. And I don't know if that's because of the coaching. Like it seems like Justin Fields thinks that there is an element where there's just way they're they're asking way too much of him in terms of mentally having to process a lot that you know, he's not comfortable processing right now. I don't know if he's thinking about, you know, that the whole thing with uh, like Tim Jenkins on, on YouTube talking about, you know the footwork for Justin Fields where he was used to being a left foot back type of guy out of the gun in, in college and Getsy and his staff kind of changed that. So we're now he's right foot back in the gun. And, you know, ever since then, his drop has been a lot slower. It seems like he's not comfortable um, with that style. You know, there's been, you know, some, I don't know, assumption that, you know, if you just fix that issue, you know, Justin Fields would be a lot more comfortable and we're going to see him play on time and on schedule a lot better. I'm not fully convinced on that. I think some of Justin Fields' issues with timing are just inherent to the way that he plays the game, the way he processes defenses anyway. But yeah, certainly, you know, it, it brings to the question whether this coaching staff is the right one to develop a guy like Justin Fields. And I'm not sure that's the case. Like, like I said before, I think there is a disconnect between this coaching staff, what they want to see out of Justin and what Justin Fields is comfortable doing and what he wants to do and what he wants to this offense to be um, around him. And it's just, it's really unfortunate that we're already having this kind of like, I wouldn't say bickering between the coaching staff and Justin, but just not being on the same page. Like you go back to like week one where Justin Fields after the game is like, you know, we, we were calling a, horizontal game game plan the, the game plan was to get the ball out you know quick and get yards out to the catch and all that stuff and then you have immediately after that matt Eberflus and, and luke gets here telling well we want justin fields to push the ball downfield if the guys are there like right away you can see that they're not on the same page right and i i feel like you know even if justin fields didn't mean to throw getsy and, and this coaching staff under the bus with his comments you know it you can tell that there is something under the surface here where they are just they're just not clicking right now and that is just self-evident and every single time you watch a press conference it's evident when you watch him on the sidelines interacting it's evident when you watch him on the field he's not trusting what he's seeing um he's not confident with, with what is being called in the huddle and you know it's just there's areas of it where i don't know i just i just don't like the vibes that we're getting from the the quarterback offensive coordinator relationship right now we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It, it is. Okay, so if you kind of look at Justin's comments, I mean, there is a lot that's going into this. And you have this narrative coming out of the organization that we fully believe in Justin Fields. We think he can turn a corner. And to me, what it seems to be happening is this, is that the organization, first things first, is never going to come out and never going to publicly throw Justin Fields under the bus, right? It is just a situation where that would really break your locker room. That would really set off a firestorm. Now you go inside the locker room. I mean, it's very clear that these players, they have this genuine respect and appreciation for Justin Fields. And if we're going to be honest, I mean, the bigger issue here and the bigger picture. And again, you're talking quarterback, which is why dysfunction between quarterback plus coaching staff gets highlighted. But it's very clear to me overall that the coaching staff is not in sync with each other either, right? You you talk about that week one game where Matt Eberflus didn't even know that DJ Moore kind of had gone into the medical tent to get looked at for whatever the issue was and that Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach, wanted wide receiver, rookie wide receiver Tyler Scott to go ahead and get more snaps. And then all of a sudden you look at this severe mi- ma- mismanagement, I should say, of personnel because you have Deontay Foreman, again, a guy that you signed that you basically made inactive in week two. You activated Bailey Schoen Jr. with the belief that he could be a quote-unquote spark, but he really didn't do much of anything. So this coaching staff, too, does not utilize properly or understand the players that it has at its disposal, and it goes much deeper than the quarterback in this situation. I mean, yeah, even a little further on that, like, you know, you're, you're deactivating. You want to have all these screen plays um, every single week that Luke Getzey loves to run, yet you have your best blocking receiver, Equinemius St. Brown, not active, and you have Chase Claypool in spots where he has to block. And clearly, Chase Claypool, like, he was better last week, but he doesn't really want to block out there. Let's just be – let's just be – call it what it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's little things like that. And I think, you know, J.T. O'Sullivan's pointed this out in his film breakdowns of the Bears offense. You know, Tim Jenkins has. A lot of people have. You know, Benjamin Solak went over this as well at the ringer. But, like, the details in this offense are just are just not there right now. So something is not being communicated properly from the coaching staff to these players about – how they want this offense to be run. Like you, you have guys missing their landmarks on their routes. You have, you know, wrong routes being run. You have missed assignments in your blocking schemes. Um, you got bad effort at times with you know, some of these plays. Like, and, and of course you have Justin Fields just not openly, just not seeing things and not getting through his progressions properly. So there's just a lot bad with this offense right now. And yeah, I mean, I, you can definitely sense the sense of frustration. I hope that Justin Fields, that can he can snap out of this a little bit and that he can start to play more loose and more comfortable in this offense and start to play better um, and more towards his game, so to speak, you know, where he, you know, he's willing to go out there and run like he, he mentioned like one of the sacks he took, 
you know, he the reason why he took the sack and held onto the ball too long was the fact that he was thinking about having to stay in the pocket and that the coaching staff has kind of drilled into him this offseason to, to stay in the pocket um, if you can as long as possible. And so that's what he was trying to do. And I think Justin Fields at some point, look, it, it's bad that he's missing reads out there, but if you're going to miss reads, don't compound that mistake by making other mistakes, like taking sacks, for instance. Like you got these incredible athletic gifts, get on the move, get on the run, extend the plays, and either you find a guy downfield for a big play or use your legs to get a big gain in the run game as well. So, I mean, and again, schematically, the Bears offense, I guess he can do some more things to get uh, Justin Fields comfortable and, and get him on the run and get him on the move. Um, but, yeah, ultimately it comes down to how can they do a better job of making Justin Fields comfortable? Because if they can't, then it's just going to be a long year where we're asking ourselves once again, do the Bears have the right quarterback here? And right now the answer is probably not, unfortunately. Um, but speaking of coaching and, and drama, um, oh man, this, this is a big story that came out today. So um, Alan Williams, he's been on, um, been out with a personal issue, defensive coordinator for the Bears, um, pretty much since the middle of last week. So basically for a week and, you know, there were some rumors that that popped up today. We're not going to get into any of those rumors because, quite frankly, I just I just don't feel comfortable discussing it. And I'm sure some of our listeners may not know what they are, some may not not. But let's just say it just it makes me feel icky even discussing or even thinking about it. Um, and and quite frankly, we don't know what's really going on with Alan Williams at this point. We don't know why you know the move has been made at this point. You know, it does it feel a little bit fishy? Yes, but who knows what's going on there? All we know is that Alan Williams, um, he has officially resigned from his position with the Chicago Bears as defensive coordinator. So moving forward, it seems like, you know, Matt Eberflus is going to be calling the plays on the defense like he did last week going forward here. We'll get into that a little bit as well. But I want to get your first reaction here, you say, to the situation where Alan Williams no longer in as Bears defensive coordinator. It was – not necessarily shocking for me to go ahead and look at it because looking at this thing from an analyst and a coach's perspective, I mean, look, you and I have been to House Hall numerous times, right? We talk to people every single day that are at House Hall every day, and one of the things that we've constantly kind of had to bang our heads against the wall about is that the Bears are an incredibly secretive organization. So that's where why you have to take a lot of what's out there when it comes to this organization at face value or surface level value and not necessarily read too much into it because you live in an age of misinformation and you live in an age where there's so much out there. It quite frankly, unless you have really good interpretation skills and analysis skills, it's hard to figure out what's right versus what's wrong. Now, the Alan Williams saga, when I saw the news drop today, I was like, okay, cool. You know, another issue for the Bears to have to go ahead and figure out. And you look at Williams' time in Chicago, whatever it was, right? Like 17, 18 games. There is a sense of, you know, he got the gig at defensive coordinator, specifically because he was effectively Matt Eberflus's right-hand man in Indianapolis for about four seasons from 18 to 21. In terms of Allen's coaching philosophy and who he was, you could tell he was kind of a lame duck defensive coordinator, really vanilla, a guy who could not go ahead and necessarily dial things up and get really fancy. Now, again, part of that is because you have a front office that refused to significantly invest 
high-level talent into the defensive line, which, again, this is a defense that's predicated on really good defensive line play because then that allows the linebackers to sit back there in coverage and get so much more versatile along with, you know, your strong safety because your strong safety can be the difference between you going nickel and diamond this defense. But back to the original point, right? The Allen Williams saga is about as messy as it gets because you have all these rumors Again, everything that's floating out there, you don't know what's right. You don't know what's incredibly wrong. So just take it at face value. The other half of it is also this, is that there are reports saying that players were essentially kept in the dark. And so that means they didn't know what was going on with Alan Williams, which, again, to me just speaks to a high level of dysfunction when it comes to the Bears and the entire organization, right? Because it's one thing that you want to keep things under wraps from not getting out to your play. I'm sorry, to the media or the general fan base. Like that's fine. But then at least let the people in the locker room know what is going on to really avoid anything happening. And last point I'll make here is this, is that, So many people right now are rushing to social media and they're talking about how, yeah, well, you know, the Bears, they owe us an explanation and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And it's just like, at the end of the day, listen, this is an organization that has developed a habit of not disclosing too much information. In this instance, they're not going to let anything get out. And quite frankly, as an institution and organization, they don't owe you an explanation. You may be a fan, but they don't owe you an explanation or a detail for every single little thing that's out there. So whatever the case is with Alan Williams, you know, it is what it is. And at this point, you can't really sit here and continue to speculate because at that point, you're just beating a dead horse. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm going to try not to speculate too much, especially publicly. I, I, I will say I hope the rumors aren't true just for many reasons. But, yeah, I mean, clearly, like – like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of just confusion here with this whole situation here. Like from my understanding, based off of what like Zach and some of the other guys have been telling, like nobody knows what's going on there. Like the players don't know the coach. It even seems like the coaching staff was kind of blindsided by this as well. Um, you know, just everyone in that building is just really unsure of what exactly is, has been going on there. So it just it, it that further confuses things and just makes things murkier, you know, with this thing. But you know, again, if we're gonna take this at face value here, let's just say, you know, assuming that you know Williams and he, you know, Williams did send out a resignation letter publicly, basically saying that you know he's resigning for um, personal health and family reasons. You know, if that's the case, I certainly hope that. Um, you know, everything is, is all good there um, because you want, you know, these you got to remember that these guys are people too. And you don't want, you know, football is not the most important things when it comes to a lot, a lot of your personal issues. Um, but yeah, it certainly, it just leads to, again, what's been the, the theme of this season so far with this Bears team dysfunction at every single level, right. When it comes to um, not only on game days, but also, um, in the media and also within the organization, just like it doesn't seem like anybody is on the same page here. There's no through line in terms of communication. Um, everything's in flux here. And that just kind of speaks to, I think, the leadership of this team right now. You know, it does feel a little bit like things are on edge at Alice Hall and, and people don't know what's going on. And people are kind of looking out for 
themselves right now. And again, I don't want to tie this all into, you know, the, the Al Williams saga specifically, but I mean, you can definitely draw that through line as well, that the reason why we're not probably not going to get, and again, it's, it's a personal thing is what we're hearing. So, you know, that could also be part of it. You know, the team has, like you said, they don't have, they don't have to tell us what's going on here, but I, I think it just speaks to this organization in general, just not being on the same page with anything right now. And it all just feels dysfunctional. And that, that's really the big thing for me is that this organization is just, they're not in a good situation right now. There is a lot going wrong here. There's a lot hanging over this team. There's a huge cloud over this team. It seems like ever since, you know, what happened in week one has basically happened. It's been a downhill slide with this team um, in every single aspect here. And I think the Allen Williams saga, we'll find out. I'm sure the truth will prevail. We'll find out more as days and weeks and months go along here. And I'm sure we'll get more details. Um, you know, there's going to be some digging, I'm sure, into what 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 went down here. Um, but Ultimately, um, the, the big story here is that there's always something new with this Bears team, and it just it doesn't seem like it's ever going to end this year when it comes to the drama and dysfunction of this organization. But, you know, moving on here, let's get to some other um, storylines from today. Like, that's those two were not the only things that went down today. We had a couple um, roster moves as well. So Braxton Jones, left tackle for the Bears. Um, this is a big one. Um, so it sounds like he had a neck injury in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. It sounds like you know, he's going on IR. We don't know how long um, he's going to be out for. Once again, the Matt Eberflus, when he announced it, was very close to the vest in terms of giving us a timeline, which, of course, the Bears don't want to give us any information on these things. And it, and it could be a, very well be a thing where the Bears don't even know how long Braxton Jones is going to be out with this neck issue. But man, I mean, this is from a football standpoint, this is a huge blow to the Bears because they've already had offensive line issues. And now they're going to be out Braxton Jones for the next at least four weeks. And, you know, a player that I think, you know, despite some issues here and there, has made some improvements and definitely weakens an already weak offensive line. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, the okay, so the Braxton Jones saga is about as interesting as it gets right now, too, because you have a left tackle going into year two who, again, has a rookie outlaid expectations. But you look at him this year, and he's been okay in pass protection, run blocking. There's been instances where he certainly struggled. Penalties have just been this massive killer for Braxton throughout the first two weeks of the season. And, and you know, the reality of all this comes down to the fact that Jones is not going to IR, which Matt Eberflus alluded to how the neck injury was basically something that had kind of been hampering him over the last few weeks. Maybe that's just why he could never get into a sink during weeks one and two. And now they shut him down. They put him on IR, and you really have to wonder, okay, 
Can Braxton Jones be the long-term solution here in Chicago? Now, another point here to consider is this, is who's going to replace Braxton Jones? I mean, it's likely that they even go with Larry Borm, the 2021 fifth rounder, to go ahead and replace him. But again, the issue with that is this. It's just like you don't really have a necessary and viable backup left tackle on your roster right now, which again, you know, that's the fault of the front office. That's the fault of the coaching staff. And why? Because Dalton Risner was a free agent for the longest of time, and he went ahead and basically inked a deal with the Minnesota Vikings, right? Now, I'm not saying Risner would have come in here and played left tackle, but there was opportunities for this team to add, even if it was a veteran, right? Like, Lyle Collins is on the market right now, and guess what? With Braxton Jones on IR, yes, Lyle Collins is on the tail end of his career, but... At this point, right, you're trying to figure out anything and everything you can for that front five to get some level of pass protection so your quarterback can kind of figure it out, right? And you can at least see if the issue is the scheme or is it really the quarterback. So to see Braxton go on IR sucks, but again, injuries kind of happen and it's all on the Bears front office and coaching staff for not beefing up depth along the offensive line more. Yeah, it's a killer. Um, You know, Jones, I thought he was making progress this year. I I really do think he got better over the offseason, and I thought he was on his way to having a good year and establishing himself as a solid starter moving forward. I really do think that even with the the penalties and, you know, some of the – he does have some bad plays here and there. Like that sack he gave up last week definitely wasn't a bright spot for him. But I don't know. I I think he was well on his way to a good year this year. And to see that – this happened to him. It sucks for him personally. It sucks for the Bears, obviously. Now, in terms of depth, like, look, we got to put in perspective here that I do think the Bears could have done more, especially in the draft, to addressing the depth on the offensive line. They could have taken some more shots, I think, um, to bring in some guys to develop in here. Maybe they could have added another veteran or two um, with all the, the resources that they had. Um, but also, at the same time, you look at offensive line depth across the NFL, like, you know, there are a lot of teams where they've rail-thin depth and there's just not much you can do. Like the, the depth of talent at offensive line in the NFL right now is just it's not there to compare to other positions, especially the pass rushing defensive line. You know, The depth of talent is just not there at offensive line currently in the NFL. I don't know if it's a development issue in, in college or just a talent issue where guys don't want to be playing offensive line and instead they're playing other positions, but – yeah, certainly this isn't an issue unique to the Bears. Although, again, Ryan Poles being an offensive line guy, you would have liked to see him attack this group a little bit more in the offseason. I do agree there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just brutal. The injuries they've gone through. Like, Tevin Jenkins, you kind of expected that to happen, right? Like, Tevin Jenkins, he's always kind of an unreliable guy anyway. That's why you went out and you signed Nate Davis. But even Nate Davis, he's still dealing with that personal issue. He's, he's not in the building still right now and I, again we hope that Nate Davis he's all right personally and um, everything can get he can get his mind right and take some time off and, and totally understandable from that standpoint um, but yeah I mean right away you have two of your top guards just down for the count right now right now early in the season right there so that immediately puts your interior depth in flux because you got Tyree Carter in his second year a sixth round pick or I think a seventh round pick actually you know having to play big snaps you have Lucas Patrick out there and we know what Luke, Lucas Patrick is at this point in his in his career. We we know that that's not necessarily a great thing for the Bears. 
Um, you, you have Cody Whitehair playing back at his left guard spot when he probably, if anywhere, should be playing center at this point. Like left guard, certainly he has not looked good there so far this year. And now Braxton Jones go down, goes down, and it's like, man, you have to rely on Larry Borm now, who, again, I think Larry Borm is a solid swing tackle um, at the very least. Um, but, like, now the depth of tackle is going to be questionable for the next few weeks. Like, what if Darnell Wright goes down? Um, what if Larry Borm goes down? Like, who are you going to? Are you going to be bringing back, like, Avante Collins or whatever? Like, if, if that's the case, like, you know, I think you're in for a rude awakening there. Like, um, you know, Matt Abrams mentioned that Jatari Carter could be a, you know, emergency tackle for this team if it got to that situation. And it's like, man, like Carter, I think he showed some promising stuff at guard in week two um, against Tampa Bay in his first start. But I don't know if he's, you know, has the ability to play tackle in the NFL. Like, I think that would be a disaster if that was the case. Um, So, man, it just puts this entire offensive line is just, it is just, absolutely just devastated right now due to injuries. Um, and I mean, it, it, it puts things in, in total flux now in offense because now you can't rely on this group to run the ball properly because the offensive line is not winning the matchups up front. They're not getting push. They're not hitting their marks. They're not getting in space um, consistently and latching onto guys. Pass protection has been an adventure all year long. And now it's going to be even worse. With Jones, you know, down for a few weeks here and, continuity is also an issue too because these guys just haven't been able to practice together so the communication on stunts and picking up blitzes and all that stuff has been a problem so far this year it's going to get even worse now so there are a lot of issues because of this one injury right here adding to the list of other things going on with this offensive line like it's a mess and that kind of describes this entire bears team it's just a mess right now um, and speaking of messes, I think you know, before we move on here to kind of big picture details um, before closing the podcast today, um, let's move on from all the stuff we, that was going on today. I could We could talk about the Peterman um, move here, but I don't really want to get into that. I don't think it's really a big deal either way here. Um, let's just go back towards the, uh, the Buccaneers game and you know, kind of close things off there before turning our attention to some big picture things here. Um, you know, speaking of messes here, like, man, going back to that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, what a mess that game was just looking back on it from all 22 perspective, like you've kind of alluded to before, you know, we've had JTL Sullivan and, uh, you know, Tim Jenkins get after it in terms of the film room on, on offense, but even like the defense, you can definitely still see some issues there, even with Matt Eberflus. Um, taking over defensive play calling there. So before we move on, like you said, like last thoughts on the Buccaneers game now that we had a chance to, to go over and watch the uh, watch the tape. The narrative is changing, and week one, the narrative is what the hell's going on with the quarterback? It's the quarterback. Week two is really an embodiment of how, yes, the quarterback is an issue, but there are some people out there like my good friend Nick Whalen, um, Real great guy, you know, been coaching football for like two decades at this point, I think. But he had a really good All-22 breakdown. And we'll have Nick on the show at some point, too, because he's a wealth of football knowledge. But, you know, he had a really good All-22 breakdown. Basically talks about how not everything is the quarterback's fault. And if you look at that All-22 tape from Week 2, I mean, there is a 100% level of truth to that. Because what you're seeing is... Guys who are missing basic assignments, right? Guys don't know which way the 
flow or the play is necessarily flowing. And then you have guys that are ending up in the same area on critical situations, you know, making you've got veterans essentially making rookie mistakes. And then on top of that, you look at it and you say the Bears situational play calling is an absolute dumpster fire, especially on, you know, second and short, third and short, when they should probably be just running the football up the gun. And then you also have this severe misuse of talent because you're not seeing players like Roshan Johnson, who again had another like 20 to 30 yard run this past week, and is certainly proving to be a home run type player, get enough reps to figure out what's happening on the offensive side of the ball. And then you look at the defense. Yes, they were more aggressive, but the front four that the Bears have is not good enough to be able to go ahead and necessarily even get consistently after the quarterback, right? And then you talk about the back end of the defense. They're good, but Eddie Jackson injured, right? Jaquan Brisker dealing with an illness right now. And so now the reality of it is simple is that this week two game pretty much showed that it's not going to be a light switch for the Bears in terms of them coming out and them going ahead and them being able to just turn things around instantly. Like there's so much work to be done. Best case scenario is you're sitting here in mid-October and this team's got a 500 record, but that's incredibly optimistic because for all we know, you could be looking at an 0-5 or 0-6 start too. Yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway for me is that there are a ton of issues and there's no easy fixes here. Like I've alluded to before, like the operation and offense, it's broken at this point. Like Luke Getzi's play callings ain't it. Um, his game planning, his design, <clears throat> the scheme is just its not very good right now. When he does get guys open, Justin Fields isn't confident. He's not ripping it. He's not seeing it. Um, you, know, you got receivers running wrong, wrong routes. You got missing, missed blocking assignments. And then defensively, like I like that they were more aggressive blitzing this past week against the Buccaneers, but you still have you know issues with talent on this roster. They're not getting it done. They're not getting after the quarterback consistently. Um, teams are going after Tyreek Stevenson, like Mike Evans and, and the Buccaneers passing, and they were going after Tyreek Stevenson all game long on, on Sunday, and that really showed up on tape here. And then also from a schematic standpoint, like I, I'm sorry, I just – it's it's kind of a whirlwind going from, you know, a Vic Fangio style defense where it's a lot of pattern match and a lot of disguise coverages and it's not a lot of blitzing, but when they do blitz, it's very effective because they disguise things really well and they put their pass rushers in unique situations for them to get after the quarterback. And you go to this scheme where it's a lot more bland in comparison to coverages. They're not covering players, they're covering grass, and that just makes it easier for offenses to pick these guys apart and we've seen it two weeks in a row now like jordan love had all day to throw and pick these guys apart um in week one and then baker mayfield like again i get the buccaneers didn't score too many points in this game and the bears defense did hold up in certain situations pretty well but baker mayfield was picking them apart through the air and that's not encouraging because you got Mahomes coming up here and we'll talk about that in a little bit but that kind of leads to like the long you know the big picture here like what is this outlook of this Bears team? And I've alluded to it here, but man, like it's been an all-time disaster start to this Bears season, and it could really go off the rails here because they're playing Kansas City coming up. You got Denver at home in Week Four. That could be maybe a get-right game for them, but that could also be like I don't know what to make of that Denver team. Like Denver, you know, they, I feel like they play better than the record suggests so far, but also like 
you have the whole Russell Wilson factor where I don't know what to expect out of that guy. Um, so you're looking at potentially four losses to start the year. And before you know it, like this thing could get off the rails really quickly. And where this thing gets interesting here is that you talked about earlier that a lot of Bears fans are, are already looking towards 2024 and the offseason already. Um, you know, the Bears have two first round picks. We got to remember that they have two first round picks going into next year because of the DJ Moore trade. Um, and looking around the league here, like the Panthers, let's talk, let's talk about them real quick because they're owing to to start off. They look brutal right now. They look like they could be a, a first overall contender right here. Cause you know, they drafted Bryce young, obviously, but Bryce young is not looking good as a rookie. He is a rookie. So there are going to be some struggles there. And that offensive operation doesn't look very good either. doesn't look very promising. So when you look at the bears, big picture here, like, what do you think? Like, do you think this regime is safe right now? You say it. And ultimately, how do you think that impacts their draft prospects? Honestly, no, they're not safe. And you can sit here and you can dream about who are going to be the Bears' two first round picks next year. And you can get all excited and giddy about it now. Part of the problem with this is also that how do you go about finding two high-quality prospects, right, which you know you're going to have if you're picking top 10 because this is a much, much, much deeper draft than I think a lot of people necessarily realize. But also, like, who's going to be your head coach, right? If it's Matt Eberflus, again, for a third straight year because they want to bring him back and ruin things, then you're likely looking at a situation where Justin Fields is not the guy and they go quarterback slash wide receiver or offensive tackle or edge rusher. Now Fields somehow magically figures it out and Eberflus and Getzi are back. Then you're looking at a situation where it is quarterback, edge rusher, or offensive tackle. I'm sorry, edge rusher and offensive tackle, right? Or even wide receiver given Marvin Harrison Jr. and a lot of the other projected round one talents in this track. But if you don't bring Eberflus back, it means you're starting over and you're likely going to go quarterback plus offensive tackle, right? So for me, looking at those two ones, I mean, I love Jared Verse out of Florida State. One of my favorite draft prospects is Joe Alt from Notre Dame, which Notre Dame set to play Ohio State this weekend. And Jack Sawyer is one of the Ohio State guys to keep an eye on. Ohio State's actually got two edge rushers projected to go round one next year. So watch for Joe Alt as well. Big 10, you have um, Olu Fashanu from Penn State, another top name at left tackle. Jerzon Newton, again, when Illinois played Penn State this past weekend, Newton was the sole reason as a defensive tackle that Illinois remained in the game for as long as they did because he reminds me in a way of a young Gerald McCoy, right, with the size, with the space that he just continues to eat up with his size and just how he continues to move and how fast he is off the ball. And then again, you know, you've got your wild cards here too. You have players like Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, um, you know, a couple of really solid wide receiver prospects. But for me, looking at those, you know, two ones, I mean, it's almost as if you have the polls and the current staff back in the building next year. Then it's we need to add two blue chip guys. If you don't, then you're looking at another year where the Bears probably aren't competitive until 25 or 26 because they're starting over the rookie quarterback number one. And those two ones could potentially be an offensive and defensive player. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, look, I, I do think it is trending towards the Bears starting over a head coach here. I don't think it would be wise to move on from Ryan Poles. I think, you know, a lot of his philosophy has been with a long-term outlook on this team. You know, not trying to force any quick fixes to this roster. I think he's done a good job with asset management in terms of fixing their cap situation and getting a ton of draft capital in the present and future here to build around. And, you know, the Bears, you know, if Justin Fields isn't the guy and if they have to go in a new direction, a head coach, they're in a good spot where they can rebound pretty quickly here if they have a high pick um, or two high picks, I should say, um, to really rebuild this roster on the fly and have a quick turnaround if they can get the quarterback position right and if they can get the proper head coach um, in the building here. Um, so, yeah, I, I am intrigued by, you know, the the prospect of just starting over here. I, I just, you know, with everything going on in the building right now, I, I just don't think Flus is the guy to lead this organization. There's just too much baggage from what's going on in the building right now. Um, things are not looking good. He doesn't have these guys prepared. Um, we're not seeing the progress from this team um, that we wanted to see in year two of this regime. And quite frankly, like, you got to get an offensive guide in here. There's a lot of intriguing offensive coaches here um, to build your organization, like Ben Johnson with Alliance, Eric Bieniemy with uh, Washington Commanders right now, doing a really good job with Sam Howell um, over there. Um, you know, Kellen Moore with the Chargers. Um, you know, he's an interesting name that's going to be available as well. There are a lot of bright young offensive minds here that I would like to bring into the building here um, and give a chance. Um, to build with a young quarterback, whether that's Justin Fields or one of these top guys, whether it's Caleb Williams or Drake May. I'm also intrigued, you know, if Carolina continues to lose and the Bears continue to lose, like you're looking at not only two top 10 picks, but you could potentially have two top five picks when it's all said and done. And especially in a draft like this, that is huge, huge if they can have two top five picks in this draft because not only can you get maybe the top quarterback here, whether it's Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever you like, of the two, um, and I, I am, it's early in the stages right now. I'm not, I haven't evaluated both of these guys yet, but early indications are that I'm probably going to like both quite a bit as prospects. But now you have a chance where you can get another one of these really generational type, not generational, but blue chip type of prospects that are going to be in this draft. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. He looks like, I, I'm going to actually use the generational word, word for him because he looks like a generational wide receiver prospect. And the idea of pairing him up with DJ Moore to have your one, one, two combination at wide receiver moving forward with a young quarterback, that is really exciting to me from a long-term standpoint. Even if you can't get Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers at that, you know, hybrid tight end spot, that move tight end spot, like he is a special blue chip prospect as well coming out of Georgia. I really like that idea as well. And even if you can't get one of those two offensive guys, you already mentioned some of the offensive linemen available. Jared Verse right now looks like the top edge rusher in this year's draft class out of Florida State. You know, the Bears desperately need an impact guy on that defensive line, especially at edge rusher. There are some really talented guys in free agency next year that 
I'm sure at a later episode we're going to be talking about here, but they could really rebuild this team um, with a lot of exciting pieces here with all the resources available to them next off season. So as painful as the season has got off to and as rough as it has been so far, you know, overall I look at this bears team and they still, there are some still some uh, things that I guess are kind of positive. Like it's hard to say because it seems like this, this, you know, the, the, the memes or the gifs where you had the trash can, it's on fire. That's what, that's what the bears are right now. They're, they're the, they're the meme where it's the, the dog in, in the, in the room on fire where it's like, this is fine. That's the bears right now. It doesn't seem like it's fine. You know, everything's on fire. Everything's a disaster, but you know, I just bears fans. I think they got to be patient here. They got to get through this year and who knows, maybe they turn around this year. I, I know it sounds like I'm being defeatist here and already looking forward to next year, which I kind of am. Um, but I do think if things do trend the way they are going right now, look, there are still some promising things with a clean slate next year. If you can get the right staff in here, if you can get the right quarterback next year, if you can get um, some impact free agency signings. I, I'm not saying, you know, you're, you're looking at a quick turnaround here, but I'm just saying that there, you know, there are some reasons if this year ends up being a bust, there are some reasons that they can rebuild this thing and turn this thing around. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I, I don't think this is a three year, four year project here. I think this is something where they've, you know, they've reset the table a little bit and we'll just have to see how it plays out, um, you know, and see where things go. Um, all right. So to wrap things up here, uh, let's do a quick preview of this upcoming game for the bears against the Kansas city chiefs traveling on the road to arrowhead here. So you say real quick, um, just give me your prediction and uh, score prediction and your X factor for this matchup. Honestly, looking at the way that Justin Fields semi called the coaches out today, I am going to say that the Bears come out on offense and they have a much better game than the last two weeks. But the Chiefs are this highly explosive offense that, again, has kind of limped through the first two weeks. But it just so happens that Patrick Mahomes is going to figure it out against the Bears. And so I'm going to say the Chiefs win 34 to 24. And that's mainly because the Bears defense just cannot slow down what is going to develop into the league's best aerial attack. Yeah, I think this is a get right game for the Chiefs. They've had a, a rough start to their season, especially offensively. But I think they figured things out. Travis Kelsey, he's back healthy another week here. Chris Jones is uh, back the team, and he played well last week against the Jaguars. That defense for Kansas City, they're playing really, really good football right now. They had a, a lot of young guys last year, and those guys are starting to develop for them, like George Karloftis, um, for instance, on the defensive line. I'm trying to think of the cornerback they drafted last year in the first round, but he, he's been playing well for them um, as well. Um but yeah, I think this Chiefs team, like I just think they're better. Um, I think, you know, I think they're ready to take that next step and, and get things back on track here and start playing at a championship level. And quite frankly, with all the drama going on at Hallis Hall right now, I just don't know if the Bears are gonna be ready to play a football game this week. I think there's just so much going on with this team and just that that cloud is just overhanging on this team right now where if they don't figure this thing out quick, it could get, it could really go off the rails here. And I, I just, man, I just have a bad feeling about the way this game is going to go. So my prediction, Chiefs are going to win 38 to 20 and a laugher here. I think they're going to, um, you know, 
definitely, I, I'm thinking about taking the over on the spread here. Maybe it could go the other way and could be one of those crazy close games um, that you don't expect. But, man, I just think the Chiefs are going to go out there like gangbusters here. I think another underrated storyline here, this is a Nagy, uh, Matt Nagy revenge game here. He's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's he's pretty tight with Matt Nagy, so he may want to go out there and just go ballistic against the Bears um, just because that's what Patrick Mahomes does. Um, so that's my prediction on that. And with that, that's going to be it for us here at Picks for Polls. That was a lot. We went through a lot today. So um, definitely uh, a lot going on with the Bears right now. Not all of it is fun to talk about, but uh, it definitely gives us something to chew on every single week here. Um, with that said, though, uh, for all of our listeners out there, uh, thank you for listening today. And make sure to subscribe to us um, wherever you get your Spotify podcasts here. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, make sure to follow us on social media as well at picture polls. Make sure to follow the bear report on Twitter as well at bear report. Uh, you said, where can our listeners find you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. So I've got a post-game article dropping every week, as well as a NFC North recap, and then an article that looks forward to the next week's game, usually up by Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Make sure to keep an eye out for my tracking the trenches, which should be coming out. Um, at some point this week, I know it, it, it might fall into the background here with everything else going on here, but I have a lot of fun putting that together and I hope you guys enjoy that as well as till next time bears fans. Like I'm sure we're gonna have a lot to talk about next week. So uh, until next time, have yourselves a, a great weekend and bear down. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.